Welcome to the Two Marketeers podcast, where marketing swashbucklers, Sean and Lindsay, seek to demystify the fascinating world of modern marketing. Each episode takes listeners on a storytelling adventure that informs, entertains, and inspires marketing enthusiasts of all kinds. And now, here are your hosts, the two marketeers themselves, Sean Patrick and Lindsay Wow! Yeah! Woo! Take the stick! Okay, three, two, one. Oh, we're going to, sorry, I do that all the time. We're going <laughs> to say hello. Counting down to. <laughs> to just <laughs> to my dead center. To dead space. To just hello. Okay? Three, three two, two, one. Two, one. No one say anything. Hello. See, I do what I'm supposed to do. I do what I'm told, Lindsay. Three, two, one. Hello. Hello. Oh my God, you can't. Hello. Hello. I thought we were saying it together. No, you took too long. Okay, ready? Three, two, one. Hello. Hello. (laughs) I said it right away like you made me do it. See? Hi, Lindsay. Hi. Hey, Sean. How are you? Good. Remember that first lesson? Say my name once. Just say my name. We're super bad at intros. Yeah, I know. We just get right to it. Sean Patrick here, wise guy. And I'd love to introduce. Yeah, there you go. Not wise guy. Not wise guy. Brilliant rock star of marketing. Fellow marketeer, Lindsay B. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, that's your new name. It's just Lindsay B. But let's not tell anyone why it's B. Like Cardi B. Yeah. Amazing. But no one can. Man, my life is not as spicy. Get Thank ready goodness. for a rip-roaring good time, people. We were in the car the other day, and I guess her new song came out. She's, of course, no one sings a song alone anymore. This is me sounding old, but it's always like this person featuring that person and that person featuring. And so it's, it's her and someone. And uh, my daughter's like, oh, this is such a good song. And she's she's 14, almost 15. And uh, as we've talked about before, third child, so we're not raising her. We're just really letting her do Watching. her own thing. Watching, observing, letting her raise us. And, and she's like, such a good song. So Simone and I are like, oh, okay. And I was so offended. You were I offended? Thought I, yeah, I thought that, you know, I don't know. There's just certain things. I'm like, I'm okay with her listening to it. Don't judge me. But I don't need to listen to that with you. Right? It was, Why, it was, was just, just way too spicy. Way too spicy. For me to be like, let's sing this together, right? Like, mm, mm." and I just was like, oh, explicit. That's the word. You're on the bit. She's like, oh, this is such a good song. And I just was like, not that my daughter sounds like Auto Man. I don't know why I do that. But (laughs) it just, again, was like, "Uh -uh, we are not listening to this. Yeah. Was it on, it was on like your radio when you were driving? No, no, no. That's the other oh. thing I have to realize. It's when I'm driving and she's in the car, there is never a it's radio It's like Spotify on. or something? Yeah, it's her music. You know, it's just whatever. I don't even know, Lindsay, to be so honest. So it's the explicit version and you're just getting like bitch slapped with all of these offensive comments left, right, and center? Yeah. Wow. And I yeah. think it's a song. I think it's a song. It is like, it is about what I'll say without getting too deep. But, I, you know, it is about, hey, women, like we, we rock. You know, it's it's the Cardi B kind of thing. I just don't think I'm invited to listen to that. Like it's just like, oh, to me, all everything you're saying is fine for women to say to each other. I just should not be part of this without feeling completely. Would you say bitch slapped? Yeah, you're more like Taylor Swift, rah rah women when you sing along with your daughters, not Cardi B. 
Yeah. Which is completely fair. Which is great. You want to listen to Cardi B, and if the message is ultimately a, a, a positive one for you, great. Let's not bring it in the car. Because yeah. dad's finding it awkward. Yeah, I'm raising two little girls, and it terrifies me. <laughs> I do not... I am not ready. Totally. Like fast forward, like you got to realize I was going through that like 18 years ago or something when you'd be in the car and you're like, oh my God, I hope this song, like honest, to be honest, 18 years ago when my oldest was four, she's going to be 22 this week. Can you believe next week? I would be like, I can't believe that we didn't have the radio on for four years in the car. We had barney the wiggles like it was just we, you know cds were all the rage and it we just never listened to radio so bad that one time i was picking up someone like our a strategist that i worked with at the agency i was at and we're on our way to a really important meeting great guy young no kids not married at the time gets in the car and we're talking for about 10 15 minutes and he finally just looks at me and goes what what is this and i'm like <laughs> what meanwhile Barney's been playing for 50, whatever, 10, 15 minutes in the car. And I'm like acting like it's normal. And he's like, what is this torture? Right. What is this torture? What is this torture? Are you joking? And I kind of went like, oh, and so I just went, oh, sorry, not embarrassed because I haven't. And then I kind of it took him a while to kind of be like, wait, that wasn't a practical joke. It was like, you know what, dude, he now has twins and another child all, I think, within two years. Well, the two. You know. Whoa, really? Yeah. yeah. So like three he knows. Insta kids? Pretty much. Two Insta and. Were they th- twins first? I don't know. I always wonder. I never know what would be first. worse, right? I almost think you should have the twins first. Like, I have friends who had twins and that's all they had because it's like, a, okay, I know how this, you, know, you don't know any different. It must be hell. I can't even imagine, but you overcome it because you just don't know any different. So then, but imagine if you're like, hey, I got this. I know how to, <gasps> twins? <laughs> now times two. What? Yeah, that, yeah, that's, I don't know. <laughs> I can't Never even gonna. comment. I can't Not even, even think about that. I know, it's crazy. No. So what are we going to talk about today, Lindsay? Oh, did you see that article I sent you this morning? I did. What's on your mind? Well, I read... Um, as you start to listen to these podcasts, you'll find out how much I love the drum. I think I talk about the drum every day. So the drum is like my go-to for, um, industry knowledge and things like that. So I'm reading this morning, this article from the drum that's titled three ways brands can be the catalyst of cultural engineering. And I'm like, cool. (laughs) This is... This is right up my alley because you know how obsessed I am with people and culture, and I like I preach and the data and the data. Yeah, exactly, and the engineering part of it. It's like I think that's what consumers and people in general are terrified that marketers and brands are engineering parts of their lives. But um, I wholeheartedly believe that everything should be like people and culture first. So I read this title and I was like, amazing. What is this? Have you heard of this yet? This term cultural engineering? No, but it, it is it's it, it does create an uncomfortable tension, which is why I, I didn't look at it and wanted to hear it from you because I'm dying to know. Yeah. Okay. So I'll give you a little um I'll read a little bit of this article because I just thought it was so well written. I just want to see who it was written by so that I can tell you here. Mm-hmm. Um 
Vasanth. Sorry, I'm going to butcher this name, but I want to make sure that I talk about who this person is. Vasanth Sesh Adri, written today or yesterday, pardon me, um, for girl. the drum. So today yes. being August eight, uh, August 28th. August 28th, yes. So it was written on August 27th. So this article, Three Ways Brands Can Be the Catalyst of Cultural Engineering. So it starts off by saying, the year 2020 will be remembered for two things. One is COVID-19, which has made us rethink everything from work culture to the sharing economy, both of which we, those would be totally separate topics for us. We want to talk about all of that. Um, and the other is the anti-racism movement that has finally made the world wake up to centuries of systemic discrimination. So those are the two kind of big things going on right now. And what it says, what's remarkable about both of these seminal developments in human history is that brands were not just allowed to add their voices to these conversations. They were expected to drive the conversations. So I read that and I can I can feel maybe some of what you might be reacting to that that sentence where I'm like, really, brands, like, don't give yourself so much credit in that you're driving the conversation of these two gigantic movements or um, happenings in time. But then it does go on to talk a little bit about, for instance, before most governments had the chance to formulate a response to COVID-19, tons of brands started responding. So this company, Lifeboy, quickly launched a poster and social post educating people about the proper steps of hand washing and safety and health, which I think reached 1 billion people before the government had even put out any sort of plan um, and really helped to probably save a lot of people by helping to educate. So uh, an example of how brands have responded to COVID-19. And then also um, they went on to acknowledge a lot of the big things that brands have done around um, the anti-racism movement. So Apple launched a $100 million racial equity and justice initiative. Google committed $175 million to racial equity with a focus on financing Black-owned businesses. So there's all of these things that brands are actually doing um, and participating in these big moments in time. And the interesting thing that I was reading about it was that um, the, the term cultural engineering. So I'll just step back for a second and say the term cultural engineering is something new that people are starting to talk about. And um, when they're referencing it in this book, it's a phenomenon that's been starting to take shape over the last couple of years. And really what it is, is the systemic effort to dismantle relics of culture that burden us and to install new thought processes and behaviors that empower us which I just think is really, really cool. Um, and some of it comes from, sorry, I'm just trying to find the part in this article, why brands are actually able to make some of these changes. And this is where at the beginning where I'm like, don't give brands so much credit. They don't have as much power as you think. But then when I read this one part of this article, and you should go read it too, it talks about why are brands uniquely positioned to drive these changes? I believe that it's because brands possess an exceptional combination of knowledge, expertise, wealth, influence, and goodwill. Some governments may possess wealth and influence, but not the love of the people. Some nonprofits may possess knowledge and expertise, but not the wealth or influence. Brands have accumulated substantial knowledge and gained wealth that can be deployed to drive human progress, and most importantly, earn love by empowering their consumers in a myriad of ways over the decades. So it's this kind of extraordinary combination and power that brands have that maybe some other 
um, institutions or pillars don't necessarily have access to all of those things that makes brands able to have such an impact and join the conversation. So I'll pause for a second there because I have a couple of good examples as well of brands doing some of this thing and some key takeaways. But what do you think about all of that? That's a lot. <laughs> I know. It's a very big topic, but I'm so excited about it. So why don't we just make today's topic about that? Or do you have other stuff? So this is the thing I was going to say at the beginning of this episode. This episode was supposed to be around the topic of attention. And well, we it's can talk ironic about attention. In, can... in that we can never focus our attention enough over the last three recordings to even get to the topic of attention because we just get so passionate about other topics and want to keep talking about it. But I think this notion of brands and cultural engineering is both timely and <clears throat> fascinating. So if you would like to pivot to this, I'm more than happy to talk about this. Yeah, well, okay. So yes, I absolutely am. So we're just opening up to say we don't have to worry about Okay, so uh, we're going to now transition into attention if we've gotten into a great conversation about what this is about, which I think is much, it is timely. I think what is interesting, a few things from what you said, the very first example that you provided, or that is in the article, I can't remember if you said it, but the Life Boy example, mm -hmm. to me was genuine. Yes. Un almost inimitable when you you couldn't re they took an opportunity that they'll never get again and i don't even know that they i don't even i can't even think about the reason why they took it but i don't know are you familiar with life boy no okay not, well, i thought that would be very no not very familiar only from what they wrote about in this article right so you didn't know so i know life boy life boy was a a pretty major soap when i was young and even that I think it was bigger in the U.S., but it's definitely yes, like your the world's wriggly... number one selling antibacterial soap sold in nearly sixty countries. But it used to just be a soap, like it was just the the bar of soap, Life Boy. It was one of the first okay. ones. So if we dug into it, it's kind of like that. You know how I'll use like Wrigley as examples sometimes. So what I love about that is just a solid brand who you know probably hasn't said a ton. I would say I, I can't say I'm not saying that they went dark or anything, but I haven't I have not heard about that brand in decades. In a long time. Right? But it is an icon. And as soon as you say Life Boy, and I could tell the way you, the way you were just saying in this brand, I'm like, yeah, Life Boy was soap. Like before you had hand soap and shower gel and body butter and whatever those things are, you had soap. And Life Boy was pretty major. So it was interesting for me to say good on them. And I can't I can't deconstruct you know, do I think much was engineered there? I just think someone jumped at an opportunity where it's like, well, if you look at this, aren't we the perfect company to do this? Mm -hmm. What's interesting, it was authentic. though, yeah, it was authentic. It was the right moment at the right time. And I feel like with this whole attention thing, though, is depends how you look at it. But I actually posted something just before our, this recording and I called you out in it. And it was essentially just I called you out. That sounds wrong. Like bad? No, you you did but it was that. kind of me saying, look, we say we're going to talk about attention. I've written an article about it, blah, blah, blah. But here, as I'm doing my homework to prepare to talk about this attention topic, I just go back to my Pinterest board. That's what I do is I create Pinterest boards, right? As you know, for each of the topics I cover. And I, I went, why don't I do that? Why don't I just go back to the article that started the whole conversation and just have it up? Right. Like just go. There's two main articles that I thought was really 
eye-opening to me. And as much as I may have thought I was aware of it, it really keeps coming back. And it's the idea of this whole attention currency. And where I think it plugs into what you're talking about is you can look back and you just say, look, it was a time where a company like a, like a, forget even the soap part, but they are antibacterial, great, had the, had the opportunity to have everyone's attention because they actually, all they had to say was their message and reinforce in a timely, relevant way to say, so now's the time you need to you you need to think about keeping yourself, your hands clean and yourself safe. Right. And they meant the same thing where yeah, rarely did washing your hands equate yourself, equate itself to almost survival. So it's that idea of, like you said, is engineer like a brand took an opportunity. And it'll never it that opportunity will never come up again. Right. Right. So I think what all this is talking about is how do you look to be able to orchestrate that opportunity? And I think where I look at, say, the other two on the list, they're great. I do think they're great, but they're completely replicable. Yes. So Google, the fact that Google did it was because they could. And not to discount benevolence, but to say there was nothing ownable about that. They saw how it could, I mean, any brand who believes in the power of community and the sharing of information and all that stuff has a right to say something. So it's good on them for taking the opportunity. But I think it just all comes down to, like we talk about a lot, is the importance that the brand has to have a very clear position, a very clear story and a very clear message and not change that message for the sake of an opportunity, which truly isn't the brands at that time. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Or use the awareness of like, that's when they're talking about the power that brands have use the awareness of the um, association with their message that they already have and the funding <laughs> that they have as a private brand to be able to join the conversation and help move it forward. Like for instance, as well, in the article, they mentioned Nike pledged $40 million and put out a poignant ad that said, for once, don't do it. Don't pretend there's not a problem <laughs> yeah. in America. Yeah, and so great. it's like they're able to join in the conversation and take a stance and integrate it into the brand and put the money behind it that actually might get it in front of some people where they have the opportunity to make some change. Yeah. And I think when the brand respectfully takes uses its its brand platform as a means to communicate a message that the brand feels is much more important than the brands. That's awesome. Yeah. Right? And yes. that's where I would say, again, good on you google but it i almost wish like uh nike's used it smarter right right this isn't about us in fact we're telling you our slogan for once take our slogan and do the opposite of it yeah like they totally took this platform and kind of said and even by you know it was an amazing campaign it was an amazing campaign because of this the like, i think it's what you're talking about it's a brand if it does it for good right the superpower of good is to say that where you said, you know, brands were expected to, right? But they were expected to, it's those that recognized they were expected to as it as a civic duty. Not mm-hmm. like, so now what are we going to say so our company yeah. doesn't break down, right? Exactly. Yeah, exactly that. And neat. part of it is talking about, too, 
the wider shift among brands over the past few years, he says in this article, it's the desire to change culture. And as they kind of dive into it, um, they talk about how it's not young adults expect brands to demonstrate a value system. And so, like you say, it's not just throwing money at it and a one and done. It's a value system through not just communication, but the key to it is sustained action. And mm. how any brand that does not have a point of view, they say, yes. is headed straight for a museum. So it's like the point of view and the sustained action towards that to move these issues forward, um, not just the flash in the plan. And I think you're totally right. It does go back to the topic of attention where it's like these sustained actions are actually something that will be worth paying attention to. And if you do something worth paying attention to, you'll get the consumer eyeballs. It's no longer about... Um, paying for more eyeballs it's sustained action that's worth paying attention to hmm i think you need to write that down somewhere because i need to hear it three i have to read it three different ways three different times <laughs> yeah, like definitely. saying yes i get it but yes. it's on so many levels i agree on yeah. so many levels yeah definitely and then i know i harp on this rei campaign all the time i think every time we talk i talk about this the rei campaign and their opt outside for Black Friday, you know, years and years and years and years and years ago, um, they took the stance of closing their doors on Black Friday and said, instead, get outside. Don't come and shop in our stores. We believe in being outside. We're giving all of our employees a day off. We're closing our doors on the biggest money-making day of the year. And this is because that's what we believe in. And they didn't just do it once. Now they've done it year over year and they've done all of these other initiatives. Um, so I think that's the sustained action of like, hey, we're not just doing this as a stunt. This is truly in the heart of what our brand believes in. But I think what's really interesting is you keep bringing it up because I, I feel like they did a great thing, which you talk about, right? That Black Friday, but then they keep doing things. So you're like, God, they're not disappointing. And, and many of them won't be about being grandiose about all of them. They're just, we just had to do this, right? Yeah. Um, just like any rep, a brand has a reputation. Maybe that's what people need to understand. How many times do I talk about the brand is an entity? The brand is the closer to a human being the brand can be, the, the, that's the purpose of the brand so that humans can connect with your brand. Your brand has values. Your, your, van, your brand creates sentiments. It makes mistakes. Uh, it's that whole idea of there's a brand and then there's a product. The product. The product's job is to f serve a function. The brand's job is to instill, continue to instill a trust. So if I if I buy, you know, an Apple product, if the product messes up, I might be frustrated, but I have trust in the brand that they'll replace it or they'll do whatever. Do you know what I mean? It's that yes. people don't realize is that sort of yin and yang of brand versus product. Lifeboy is a product. Oh, wait a minute. I didn't know it still existed. So what was really great to me was right away, I'm like, oh, good on you, life boy. I remember you when I was a kid and you were just soap, right? Mm -hmm. And nothing wrong with that. Just be soap. So <clears throat> regardless is when you look it up and you see that it's, you know, antibacterial, all that stuff. It's OK, so it's just evolved with the rest of them. But what it does have is an incredible history of just consistently just being what it needs to be. Right. right? Just yeah, clean clean keep clean and i i just i i'm i'm you're, you've definitely opened the sort of pandora's box of i'm trying to remember but it was such a crucial brand when i was little and it was probably because it was advertised on television all the time because that was the only means and i'm not gonna lie i watched more television than 
you know, your average bear. Uh, that's not an analogy that works, but I'll work on it. That it was just like, <laughs> yeah, it's ingrained in me. And what's interesting is what, 40 some years later. Yeah, it resonates going, yeah, of course that makes sense. Whereas yeah. there's so many brands that are doing the opposite. And I guess I'll just, I never followed up or followed through on the stories. I posted something on LinkedIn today, which was the original attention article, which came from the Ber- the Berkeley uh, Business School. I'll do better at citing it. But basically Berkeley it came from Berkeley. Bur- Business? Yes, thank you. Okay. Uh, it's not even that, but something close. Berkeley. Thank you very much, Damn. Berkeley. <laughs> um, but I just... It was a great article and I've looked at it many times and it it brought me to another article, which was from the Huffington Post, which was a few years earlier, just talking about the whole idea of attention as a currency, right? We'll talk about that another time. But what I said was, and having read it for like the fifth time this morning as part of like, okay, is there anything here? Is I just, I'm just going to post it because as great as this is, the only problem with it is it talks about how important art getting attention is, right? How hard it is in these times when there's so much information. Right. But the whole story is around how do you monetize? And I just was like, this is great. This is really interesting stuff. Unfortunately, why does it always, why can't the measure be around relationship? Why can't the result be relationships with cons- customers, right? Loyalty, loyal relationships with customers versus the measures, why can't it, why can't we look at it that way? So when I look at this attention economy, I think of it, like you said, is to say that example of life boy, or even the other ones, it was around, okay, we have people's attention. We have a right to be part of a conversation that has everyone's attention right now. So let's use it. But then there's all those ones who don't see the opportunity as truly like, how can we, you know, how can we invest in this moment that's going to do so much than just bring eyes over to us for a day? Right. That's not stunt driven. That's not this. That's not about, you know, this hamburger that's uh, that, you know, that's organic or, oh, right now is the time, you know, like and and because then very quickly we were bombarded with we have to help the restaurant industry. Please help the restaurant industry. Right. And then you had all these people saying we're ordering out. Right. Like we're not going out and we're ordering curbside because we're supporting the restaurant industry. And I'm sorry. I'm like, okay, like it trivialized so there were so many trivial things happening and then they i'm not saying it wasn't terrible for that but call it what it is do you know what i mean don't call yeah, it don't 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 take credit for being lazy <clears throat> yeah it's doing real things that are actually helpful <laughs> well and and just kind of saying and then just they went away like i just right. feel like when you say the life boy they did something helpful and then they 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 respected the moment they respected the the opportunity let the copycats try and say well, we can do that too right? right and maybe that's that whole idea of what your time it is how do you truly engineer like how do you do that well let's go back to what you talked about so you're talking about the tell me again how brands can engineer cultural behavior is that what it was? yeah cultural engineering it's basically helping to define and redefine culture um, based on them being able to actually join in and help drive the conversation because never really before have people been open to brands not only adding their voices but helping to contribute and move these movements forward. But it's the notion that brands have extraordinary power now with funding and knowledge and expertise and wealth and influence and the desire to do better and, and do great things that is actually giving the opportunity to help engineer the way that culture behaves. 
instead of, for instance, just responding to it. Yeah. So, so how do you, how do you take that you're finding and not turning into sharing it and people go, yeah, exactly. And then they go back, you know, that, that, okay, so that's what we're going to do. And then we're going to go back to everything we always do. Campaign one, yeah. campaign two, campaign, know, campaign. The, how are our sales? How are our sales? What's our bottom line? Yeah, like, it's easy to talk about, but it's a huge thing to shift your mentality to it. And I'll read kind of, they close off this article with three recommendations. So I wanted to make sure that I brought those forward to everyone. And then I think we can talk about these recommendations because they very much so align with our philosophy. Um, so the three recommendations that come from this article in ways that you can go about um, helping to responsibly engineer culture as a brand. The first recommendation is identify social tensions that affect the world today. So these societal, oh, sorry, societal tensions. These societal tensions ideally need to affect some of your own consumers and overlap with your product category in some way. So we'll get yeah. back to that. Okay. The second is address the societal tension in a creative and memorable way. So something worth paying attention to. Yeah. And the third is follow through with sustainable actions that firmly establish the brand as a change agent. So these Love are the it. three kind of steps or recommendations that are made by the author of this article in the drum as to how um, people can start to move forward helping to proactively and responsibly engineer culture. So I'll go back to the first one, which is what Sean and I as strategists um, for brands are obsessed with is really <laughs> identifying the the tension and where that is. So we think, or I, I won't speak for you, I'll speak for myself, um, that culture and consumers and people, everything that we should, that we do should be culture and people first and really right. figuring out the best place to play and contribute and become a valuable brand is by solving attention for people within culture um, that is a natural thing that that brand can do and helps to make the tension go away. So it's like making the lives or the culture um, moment easier and better and people able to manage it better. By well, I think, yeah, I love how it's just the tension. Attention yeah. is a moment, right? We always talking about the, whether they're micro moments as Google will call them, whatever is to say that when you say tension, it makes it absolutely timely. We don't have tension over something we worried about four years ago. So there's this immediacy that it, that assumes, so I love the, your approach is to say, when you address attention as a word, you are addressing the right thing at the right time in the right way. So you don't even have to, you know what I mean? Like that's where mm -hmm. I just think, yeah, this is so good. And you and I have talked about me as a creative and you as, as a, as a strategic scientific insight provider from data. It's that you, you have to find that tension in order to go towards a, well, this is, these, this makes total sense to relieve this tension in this way. And my brand can do that. Yeah, because I think that's how you actually truly get attention is by doing something get good attention. that helps to solve the tension for people. Absolutely. So now we're probably mixing up tension and attention, but that's basically in my, that's the magic sauce for me is yeah. um, doing something that's so valuable to people because it solves a tension that's happening, like you say, at the right time, in the right place, in the right moment. But that's just it. Like you said, identify the tension first. Don't worry about getting their attention. 
don't do that until you know that you even have a right, the, an ability to address that tension. It's yeah, so you don't start a brief with a, how am I going to make a viral video? It's like, what problem are you trying to solve for people in culture that you can actually do with your brand? And if you do something so worthy of getting people's attention, that's how you get a viral video. <laughs> like, it's not. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it is not what you, it's the result. Oh, don't even, I'm glad yeah. you're not in front of me because I'd have shot you dead. You know how I am. I just shoot you with my eyes. Yeah, yeah, no, that's great. I just love that. Like, wow. First thing, find the tension, seek the tension, right? Because tension is all about relevance, right? You can't fix something that doesn't address the immediate tension. And the immediate tension is multifaceted, right? Is it cultural? Is it economical? Is it, uh, you know, timely? What What's behind it? What's the, what, what, what is creating all these tensions? Mm-hmm. Then you can address it to say, yeah, we're just a soap. I don't know if Black Lives Matter is something we should be part of, right? Because you've adjusted tension. But then when you're a soap and you're like, wait a minute, we can do something. What can we do? Well, one thing we can do as the brand that we are, that's all around, you know, clean, is to say this is how clean helps at this particular time. Because if you're not clean, and, you know, I mean, it's a general term, but if you're not clean, there's a good chance you're not safe. Right. Right. Like what clean means as it relates to an antibacterial soap to be able to dumb it down to that sort of thing is, of course, that was the right opportunity. And they probably didn't have to think very long and hard about it. And that's the beauty of having a strong brand that you stay, you know, that you stay consistent with. Right. Yeah. Okay. Love it. Okay. And I would say that's kind of the big takeaway. I would say look into this notion of cultural engineering um do some homework on it and think about these recommendations and definitely know that you know we follow the same philosophy of of discovering that tension and and figuring out the best place for brands to play based on what's going on in consumers and culture and you have to start there in order to do what you're talking about brands it's not tactical it is there is nothing tactical about it you have to shift absolutely your strategy if it needs to be shifted it has to be what's the humanity behind our brand who is our brand what's it there for and we can never forget that and i I just find how many times have we sat in rooms where we struggle with giving a client what they want because we forget to say oh my god they think they're this to the to to, to their customer and i don't think they realize they're not it's that self-awareness right And I think the big piece of that is that if you're going to tap into the humanity of a brand and know what they what you stand for and all of that for me comes down to what your values are. And I think when we're getting into some of these societal tensions or the tension that we're talking about, it's figuring out what's going on in culture and what are the values of the people in culture and how can we align the values of the people and the current state and the values of the brand, which allows that brand to show its humanity to the people. That's you, how. And, and with that though, the idea is that those values exist across the board, as opposed to looking for the values that they have and trying to be something you haven't been in the past. Right. Yeah. Right. Like It has to be authentic. Yes. And I think that's what engine, I think that's the term behind the engineering is it's about working with the forces that exist. You know, how do you sustain the structure? How do you make, maintain a strength? The difference between engineer, the, the, the difference is engineering and fabricating. And I feel like 
marketing, as you and I have talked, the word fabricating is kind of what my job had been for so many years. Fabricating a brand out of whatever it needed to be, it'll quickly collapse if, right. if, it's, if it's not truly engineered. Would you agree that fabricating is probably how the general perception of what marketing that's how we got such a bad rap. <laughs> exactly. We used to say, like, you put money behind the message and you'll get the eyeballs. And the more eyeballs that see it and the more times that they see it. How many times does someone have to see a message before they convert? It's seven times. It's nine times. It's like <laughs> you can't pay in, a, in an attention economy like we're in now where there's so much content and limited concentration and focus from people. You can't just buy more and more and more and more eyeballs. There's way too much content and way too many brands trying to do that with such a limited scale of attention from people for that to ever work anymore. But now it's such a positive shift for brands to be thinking about doing something that's actually impactful based on um, movements and things in culture that everything has to be done authentically and honestly for people to actually believe you and want to pay attention to it. Otherwise, don't bother. So how do you want to summarize? Yeah, it's about, I think it's about determining for your brand, your initiative, your company, what the people that you're trying to serve, what they care about um, and what's going on in culture and the best way for you through the sustained actions that you can make through the company or the brand that you have in an authentic way that can help you resolve some of these societal tensions that are taking place or at least participate in the conversation in a responsible way so that during these times whether it's covid whether it's the anti-racism movement that you can actually help to create positive change and help move some of these things forward but for me and i think for us as strategists it all comes down to starting with that tension i love it societal tensions love it those are two words people Societal tensions. Keep keep them in mind. Keep a lookout. Yeah, you'll start to see these things, you know, popping up. Yeah, and they happen in a very, they happen big and they happen small. Um, But what they are is timely in every case. Yeah. Well, thanks, Sean. Thanks, Lindsay. Fun chat. Thank you. That was really great. That's it for this episode, my fellow marketeers. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed it. If you did, subscribe to this podcast at thetwomarketeers.ca. That's thetwomarketeers.ca. Spell it out. Be sure to tune in for more marketing adventures every month from us, the Two Marketeers. But you can just call us Sean and Lindsay. Actually, I, I would prefer Wise Guy. Yeah, I, I know you would. We're not, we're not doing that.